And thanks so much again for being with us here in the Twins Wrap. Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins. I am Derek Hansen with you, brought to you by Jefferson Lines. And, Dick, I think this is the second time where I've talked to you about what a great game last night. Unfortunately, the Twins just came up a little short. Yeah, it was uh, a great effort by two starting pitchers who were at the very tops of their games. And, you know, the Red Sox, you know, got an early run. And the Twins had some chances late, just didn't get the hit when they needed it. And uh, if if you can envision the Twins uh, being in the playoffs, maybe making a playoff run, and you like low-scoring ball games, uh, it definitely had kind of a playoff uh, feel to it last night. Even though the Twins ended up on the short end. Yeah, it's funny. I was chatting with a few of my friends. We are a little spoiled this year because we're so used, almost took it, you know, take it for granted that they would come up through with some of those big hits. But you know, the last two games they left some men on base and missed some opportunities. But that's just kind of the course of a baseball season, I suppose. You, they can't play as efficiently and hit as well with men in scoring position all year long as they have for most of this year. These things uh, tend to go in cycles, and you just hope that the next game somebody will. You know, flare one into uh, you know short uh, right field or something, and drive in a couple of runs. Uh, you know, it just was it was a wonderful, wonderful game last night. And uh, you know, for those of us who enjoy low scoring ball games, it was a delight last night. It's nice to see a game like that mixed in with a game that uh, might feature four or five home runs. But it was uh, you know two teams that might end up in the playoffs and may end up playing against each other in the playoffs. Uh, it was it was a fun game to to watch uh, in person and I hope on television. You know that thing uh, was really moving along, and I think not only for the fact it was low scoring, but it's also the pace. I mean, both pitchers, Barrios works pretty quick, and so did Porcello last night. Well, we remarked from the middle innings on about the strike percentage, which gives you a pretty good idea how quick uh, how quickly the game uh, is paced or being played. And in each case, they were in the high 70s. The ideal is high 60 in terms of strike percentage, but both Purcello and Barrios were throwing 77, 78% strikes. Well, the hitters catch on to that. They're more aggressive in the count, and, and the, you know, the, the at-bats don't last as long. Uh, you know, a lot of first-pitch strikes for each guy. And, uh, again, it was, it was very much the type of game we see whether the Twins are involved or not, very much the type of game that we see come October. I know that Jack Morris last night was mentioning the fact you would like to see them come out in the ninth inning. And I've you know I've talked to Jack many times about that. He gets a little frustrated by the pitch count, but that's kind of the nature of it. But man, it does show you, and it's hard to believe Barrios was just uh, coming out in 2017. I do believe starting in in Rochester. This is the guy that they were expecting in this uh, organization. You can see that he is certainly one of the top pitchers that they have and really throughout the league now. Well, it was interesting, the in-game adjustment that he made, and even though he ended up taking the loss, it's the adjustment that I think will bode well for him and for the team down the road. You know, he was throwing a lot of breaking pitches very early in the game, and the Red Sox happened to hit three of them uh, for base hits, and that was the first and really the only necessary run of the game. And then once he saw that, you know, he featured his fastball and, you know, what he did in the eighth inning, uh, I think it was what Mookie Betts was the last hitter he faced through 95 miles per hour down uh, on the outside corner at the knees uh, for his, you know, 110th pitch or whatever it was, but he still had the velocity and the command late and, and maybe within, 
the tough luck loss last night uh, a lesson to be learned that, you know, when you hear Jack talk about it, you hear Bert talk about it, you know, the best pitch is still a well-located fastball. And he had that last night through many more fastballs than he had in his prior starts. And the results were very positive. So much talk about this rotation, and he and, boy, Kyle Gibson was really good the last time out. Uh, well, Pineda versus Price tonight. And, of course, Martin Perez, I think he wants to find where he was early on this season. And there's, you know, the rumor mill going on. It's, like, going crazy right now. It's the world of social media with Madison Baumgartner. You and I have talked about relievers before, maybe picking up one or two. I guess would it surprise you if they made a move for maybe getting a fourth solid starter? Well, and you left out uh, Jake Odorizzi, who might be the best pitcher right. in the league right now, That's and a... he's been uh, just outstanding. I, I don't, I don't know that to get to the playoffs they'll need a Madison Bumgarner. I, I do think that uh, there there needs to be a couple of arms brought into the bullpen. Uh, I think that's their priority, and if for some reason they can end up, you know, with Madison Bumgarner or Marcus Stroman or somebody like that. Uh, and not give away too much out of the farm system. I, I can see them doing that as well, as I think we've discussed before. I, I can't imagine them adding a position player because they're stocked pretty well in Rochester. They got guys, you know, playing in Rochester who probably should be up here and would be starting for a lot of other teams, and they can't even, you know, break the major league roster. So any moves that the Twins will make between now. In the end of July, the trading deadline would be pitching-oriented. I think the focus for them right now is trying to improve the bullpen. Yeah, I guess the top name that we I – because mean, a lot of people bring up, you know, Sano and some of these – you know, I even heard someone say Buxton. Are you kidding me? They aren't getting rid of Buxton. I mean, it's just – but when you talk about Jake Cave and some of these other names that we've been talking about sitting down in Pensacola or Rochester's that, you know, they just can't move up because it is an embarrassment of riches at the outfield position, certainly in some other positions too. We just got done playing the Kansas City Royals, and I can tell you that although the Royals have Billy Hamilton and Alex Gordon uh, and uh, was it Bonifacio, I guess, in right field, uh, you know, J.K. would be maybe the best outfielder on the Kansas City Royals if he were with them. Uh, so if nothing else, he may be a trade chip. I think he belongs in the big leagues. Uh, and there's frankly no room for him uh, with, you know, the trio of you know Kepler, uh, Buxton, and Rosario with Marwin Gonzalez able to play out there as well. So we'll see whether some of those players who are at Rochester and playing really, really well might be involved in some of the trade talks uh, down the road. How many teams would like a guy like Asadio with his type of versatility too, right? The way he's sitting in Rochester right now? Yeah, and he's doing well. And we've seen, you know, Luis arise up here uh, and he's in Rochester and, and hitting the ball well. So uh, there's some intriguing possibilities. And as I think we've discussed before, not only is the major league team doing very, very well, they still, despite the two losses, have the best record in the major leagues. But uh, this organization right now is probably deeper than it's ever been uh, in terms of uh, position players for sure, some pitching prospects as well. Uh, so it's a question of if you want to improve the major league roster, what or who are you willing to give up? The Twins wrap with the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, Derek Hansen with you. It's brought to you by Jefferson Lines. 
your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest. I want to get back to talk about a guy I just mentioned, Byron Buxton, and and I I don't know what the numbers are actually going to say or whatever, but I still think, and maybe even some of these situations where people have been left on base, he got hit with a pitch and it's been up the past couple of games, but I think he is such a force, especially when he turns over that lineup. if, if Polanco is the uh, most valuable player, there's no doubt that Buxton's right up there because I just think he adds so much both defensively but offensively as well. Well, and I think he was his absence was noticed, at least by me, last night. Take nothing away from Jonathan Scope, who was hitting ninth last night. Uh, I miss looking forward to Buxton's at-bats uh, hitting ninth, particularly when you've got a you know a one nothing ball game, a one-run ball game when that speed, if it gets on the, uh, can get on uh, first or second base, really changes the whole uh, outcome. You know, let's say, for instance, that it was Buxton at second base uh, in that eighth-inning rally. Well, then Polanco almost certainly wouldn't have bunted because Buxton, you know, on any hit to the outfield, he's going to score from second base anyway. So his speed does change the game. It changes the strategy of the game. And I happened to walk out of the ballpark last night with Byron, and I asked him about the wrist, and he said it's lingering, which discourages me from believing that he's going to play uh, again uh, in this homestand. I would guess the earliest he might play would be this weekend in Kansas City. Yeah, that is a shame. He is such an exciting player to watch. You mentioned, I thought the uh, a lot of people have been talking this morning about uh, – and we were kind of talking about the water cooler about the Polanco bunt, and certainly the you know the most consistent hitter all season long. Do you think it was a sacrifice, or do you think that he because he worked on his own? I think Rocco Badelli said that he decided to do that on his own, but he maybe thought he could get on first base with that too. Do you believe that? Or well, it was a very close play as it was. He did advance the runners. I just find uh, the debate uh, fascinating because. Um, you know, whether you think it was a good idea or not, the fact of the matter is he did his job. And the focus is on whether he should have bunted or not rather than the guys behind him who did not do theirs. You know, I mean, you know, he, he advanced two runners 90 feet, yep. okay? Uh, but Cruz didn't come through and Rosario didn't come through. Those were the guys uh, that if they had advanced the runners 90 feet, Twins may have won the ball game, but they didn't do their job, and and he did. Uh, I do think he was trying to bunt for a base hit, but you know, the focus is whether he made the right decision to bunt or not. And the fact is, he at least advanced the runners. The guys who were hitting behind him didn't, and that's why the Twins lost the ball game. Not because he bunted, but because you know Cruz hit one right off the end of the bat, and then there were some base running mistakes, and then Rosario grounded out, and that was the end of the threat. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you got a couple of RBI guys behind Blanco, so he, he did what he was supposed to do. It is kind of a, it's kind of interesting though. It's a generational thing, right? Where you know, there's a kind of a, I don't know if it's a Moneyball era thing where you don't want to give up outs, but then there's also the old school thinking, like my dad. It just drives him crazy if people don't bunt more. It is kind of funny how that really has changed in the, in the game of baseball. Well, look how the bunt changed the next at bat. Yeah, you've got Cruz. Uh, hitting 280, and the Red Sox brought the infield in. So that makes him about a 330 hitter, which is what Polanco was. And so instead of Polanco hitting with runners at first and second as a 330 hitter, now you got Cruz, who's effectively a 330 hitter because the infield's brought in, 
And if he comes through with a hit there with a five hopper up the middle or whatever, well, then the Twins have a two to one lead and they probably win the ball game. But, you know, again, you know, Cruz has been great, but last night he didn't get the job done. He'd be the first to tell you that. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. And that's just fundamental baseball, that is for sure. And, you know, like you said, a great game last night. Hopefully that we can see a little bit of that tonight with Michael Pineda and uh, David Price. And I think Pineda's looked pretty good the past couple of outings. What's your take on this matchup tonight? Yeah, I think that for the role he's in on this team, the number five starter, if you will, he's been very, very good. His last start was good. He'll have a challenge tonight because the Red Sox lineup is uh, swinging it really well right now. That's what really, you know, uh, made Barrios's effort last night so good. This Boston lineup was averaging about eight runs a game during their winning streak. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fares tonight. You know, you were speculating before about the Twins maybe adding a starting pitcher. Um, I don't know who the starting pitcher would replace in the lineup. Most teams in baseball have rotated a handful of different guys through that number five spot in their rotation. And Pineda, other than the maintenance issue he had with his knee when he spent some time on the injured list, he's taken the ball every fifth or sixth day and given the Twins, for the most part, a really good chance to win. And that's that's kind of the most you, you should expect from a, a bottom-of-the-rotation guy. Yeah, it brings up speculation. They, and I, I'm with you on that because I think for what you want to win the division, the five guys that they have are pretty good. Would it be a situation where you upgrade and then maybe move one of these guys to the bullpen if they're willing? Well, we saw a couple of years ago the Houston Astros had a good rotation and they got Justin Verlander not for the rest of the regular season, but for the postseason. The problem is I don't – oh, I know there are no Justin Verlanders out there this year. Even Madison Bumgarner, as good as he's been in the postseason, uh, he, he is, is not as dominant as Verlander has been in his career. So, you know, unless for some reason the Washington Nationals decided to get rid of, you know, Max Scherzer, uh, I don't think there's that type of pitcher that's going to be out on the market. So what are you bringing in? Somebody who at best is going to match what Michael Pineda uh, has done at the back end of the rotation? Well, that doesn't make much sense because come postseason, you're only going to have four starters anyway. Yeah, that's a very very good point. I, well, he, he would be the type of guy who would even, you know, coming from the left side, would he wouldn't want to go to the bullpen, would he, if he made that move and leaving San Francisco? No, and no team would acquire him uh, to pitch out of the bullpen. Right. Uh, the the one thing that's interesting regarding him, and I don't want to fuel the speculation that he's going to come to the Twins, but he had a he has a no trade list teams that he can uh, void uh, the trade unless or until he gets a contract extension from those eight teams. The Twins are not on that list, so the Giants can deal with the twins directly and not be fearful that Bumgarner can void the, or veto the trade uh, and wait for an extension because there is no such obligation uh, should he uh, be dealt to the twins. Well, it's uh, going to be interesting. It keeps us busy, not only talking about on the field, but off the field, I guess. And I, I guess if anything, it shows you how excited people are about the twins is that they're really good, but man, well, let's just get bit better. I guess being relevant is the key when it comes to the Minnesota twins organization. Well, they tell us that, uh, you know, the TV ratings have shot through the roof this year and we notice it down here. I suspect you notice it 
up there in the Fargo uh, area as well. But, um, you know, you walk around town, you go to restaurants, people are wearing twins gear again, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I think this franchise has turned the corner. I believe this team is going to be good for a number of years. And, uh, this is, um, you know, what we've been waiting for. It's been kind of a long drought going back to the 2010 season, uh, when the twins last won a division championship, but it sure looks like, uh, that drought's going to end in 2019. Certainly hope so. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, Dick. You got it, Derek. The Twins Wrap with Dick Bramer brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years, serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest.